pilot. Pilot? What's a pilot? Well, the way they pick TV shows is they make one show. That show's called a pilot. And they show that one show to the people who pick shows. And on the strength of that one show, they decide if they want to make more shows. Some get chosen and become television programs. Some don't. Become nothing. She started one of the ones that became nothing. I, I am very surprised how prevalent the fish out of water element is in these 90s sitcoms and TV in general. I know I mentioned it last week as something that is in a lot of TV, but now as we move on to the show we're talking about today, Third Rock from the Sun. Here we are again. It's another fish out of water sort of premise, but just a totally different take on that. But, you know, the idea is still the same and the humor is still rooted in a similar way. It's like fish out of water times 10. It's like fish (laughs) in outer space. Yeah. Uh, So I get a kick out of that, but it is very different. But what definitely sets this show apart from the other shows we've been talking about is that there's not really the relatable factor, right? When you have Seinfeld and Friends, they're making it very much like how actual people talk. They're really they're really grounded shows, and they're supposed to be shows where you see yourself in the characters. Uh, here, Third Rock from the Sun, we're getting very cartoonish characters, and you know they're otherworldly alien characters. And uh, you know the, the the humor we're gonna see is is gonna be, I, I'm afraid, a little more surface level. Still funny, but just something that I've noticed it, it stands out a lot from what these other shows are trying to do. Um, I'm not saying that that's good or bad, but in that, in that, in that aspect alone, I think it does stand out. This show was something that I really watched, uh, not a lot, but like, I was always excited. As you said, it was kind of like a, a later in the day, Saturday morning cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the way the actors perform, right. And we'll get into the actors, but you know, John Lithgow and Kristen Johnson, they they both won multiple Emmys for their performances on this show, and they're they're very much, you could argue, very over the top in in their in their comedy. That that's the appeal of the show. But I just find that interesting that they they won uh, Emmys for very over the top characters. Now John Lithgow is a national treasure. Oh, I love him. I mean, he like, basically uh, he, he is like why I like if ever I want to act, he is the one of the top five reasons like he could do this and then he could be a serial killer right he could be winston churchill he was the villain in uh not, um in cliffhanger he was roger like ailes he, he was roger ailes like the man is a national treasure and on this he really oh god does he sell it i mean he is why the show is so successful and not to take anything away from the other actors who also uh, you know, do very well on the show, but I think this does not work without John Lithgow. I kind of forgot how horny this show was. <laughs> well, at least this pilot episode. This pilot we'll, is so goddamn horny. Which we'll get into, and I think that is to its detriment. Uh, but yeah, yes. so Third Rock from the Sun, we're starting to move now towards the mid-90s, and eventually we'll get into like the, the, the later 90s, right? Because a lot of the pilots we've discussed already, first half of the decade, I thought, you know, we should maybe start moving towards the later part. So, um, you know, Keith, if you want to take us into a little history about the uh, Third Rock from the Sun pilot, how about, you know, how this, when this first aired and how it was developed? Well, it's interesting. It aired on, the first episode aired on January 9th, 1996 to 23 million viewers on NBC. So right. it's going to get that. And, you know, that's a, that makes it a mid-season premiere, right? Yes, and I learned that it had thirteen different time slots over six seasons. <laughs> wow, that's... I, I don't think NBC did not really know what to do with it, but it was always a big hit. I just think it would have probably been even a bigger hit if it just stayed at like a time slot. Right. I mean, obviously, you want to put it probably in a, in an hour with another comedy, another half hour comedy, or in a, a, a night with you know a few other comedies. But you're right. I mean, is this yeah, you know, 1996. You still have Friends and Seinfeld are airing, but again, those are grounded shows. This is not a grounded show, really, by any means. So I don't know if it really works in the same night as those. But uh, yeah, that that could be a tough one to pin down. I think you yeah, know to like to 
I think it's been on, it was like uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. Like it really jumped around and that must've been so confusing for fans. Yeah. Uh, Especially at mid season, like, right. It, it was six seasons. So to have 13 different time slots means it was moved mid season a few times, at least several times. Uh, well, it was created by Bonnie and Terry Turner. And you don't really see that many married showrunners together. I think the, the people that do uh, like the good wife, they're the, they're, the one, the only ones I can think of at the moment, but they uh, they used to write for SNL, and then lo and behold, they wrote uh, the Coneheads movie in right. the early '90s, and that's how they knew Jane Curtin. And, uh, and they also end up creating a '70s show, which we'll tackle at another time. Like, there's a lot of there's that kind of I don't want to say like vibe. I want to say there's that kind of vibe. I, maybe not that kind of humor, but I. Mm-hmm. When I read that they created the 70s show, I was like, oh, I could I could see that. But this yeah, is the I think sec- both those shows have like characters who are a little hippy dippy, right? I yes. think you know, obviously that 70s show would have those kind of characters, but in this in this case, uh yeah, there you, you run into some character I think the the, the character the main characters themselves get influenced by those sort of personas. Now this is one of those shows that they filmed the pilot and we'll never probably see the light of day. Um, but this pilot is called Brain and Eggs. And the only reason I find that a little interesting is that all the rest of the episodes are like literally dick jokes. Right, right. Because the main character, John Lithgow, his name, the character's name is Dick. So it's all like angry Dick. Dick finds a friend. Dick this, Dick that. Dick's birthday. Uh, like I, I'm kind of shocked that like standards and practices like i guess like oh that's his name there's actually an episode in the first season called frozen dick and that's because it's a it there's a snowstorm <laughs> that's that's basically why and uh yeah it's kind of unbelievable that they would name episodes in that sort of um you know in that sort of way but uh you know it's it's sort of funny but then it's also kind of shocking yeah, especially for like the '90s, where you couldn't say condom on TV. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Interesting. But, Maybe the show is trying to break the mold. But yeah, they shot a, a pilot for ABC. Who, <laughs> looking at this now, of course they passed on this. ABC had their had their brand, mm-hmm. but NBC has theirs in this con- to, Like NBC, it, I, I think we we've covered just about the main networks. Uh, like CBS has their like. Their brand is family, but broader. One for the kids and broader. Yeah. NBC is for the adults. ABC is for the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Dick's original love interest was going to be a secretary, and they decided that's not really working, so they split that character up in two, and that's how we get the sassy secretary and Jane Curtin's character. Yeah, I think if it was a secretary, I feel like it would come off as a little predatory in a way because yeah, you know, Dick is this very over the top character who obviously everything this character does, he puts a hundred and ten percent energy into. So for him to go after a secretary, I don't know. I think that might be a little uncomfortable, but for him to have romantic interest in a character in a more, um, I'm gonna say like equal footing professionally. Like you know, she's a she's a fellow professor, and so she kind of has like almost higher standing than him, right? I think that works better than for him to go after someone with um, you know, a lower professional standing. But uh, this uh, the breakout roles of uh, Kristen Johnson and French Stewart, who. What a name. You will only know from this show. Yeah, I, know. I mean, breakout roles, well, you know, I, I don't really know them right from too many other things. I think Kristen Johnson especially, I, I've i seen her maybe in, like, a couple other, like, you know, guest spots and other TV shows. So, you know, I, I, I wrote that down. You know, that was my note, breakout roles. But I think maybe it's just fair to say this is these are their – yeah, these are the roles they're known for, basically. I, I read, and this was on their IMDb, so this could be completely, someone could have just wrote this in, but uh, French Stewart was in the audition process, and he does the audition, and he goes back and smokes a bong. He smokes out of his bong. He smokes marijuana out of his bong. <gasps> and uh, his agent said, like, hey, they want you back in for a callback, like, right now. And he's like, 
what? <laughs> like, uh, can you, okay, give me, uh, like, he tried to straighten, he straightened himself out as best as he could. Sure. And he went back and did the audition, and he was, um, I, I know no one can see me right now except you, but he, his eyes were very, you know, almost closed. Well, he, like how like, it is on the show. Exactly. And, like, they, they said it was very different, but they liked it. So that's how the character of Harry was kind of originated. It's, I just found that interesting that just like uh you see kids it pays to get stoned. Yeah, basically, basically like you will you will book that audition. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, cuz you're right. And the show I, I I'm not even sure where that comes from, but now I know that yeah, he he kind of has his eyes closed. He always looks confused, right? And I guess that lends itself to an alien like character that doesn't behave like a normal human would. So, yeah, that that did pay off and that lends to that very much works in the sort of world they're setting up here with these characters. I know for one other thing, French Stewart, and that is a very small and by all means insignificant role on Seinfeld. In the season five episode, The Opposite, he is a theater manager who tells Elaine that her boyfriend at the time, Jake Jermel, has been hit by a car. That's it. I just wanted to flex my Seinfeld trivia knowledge there for a second. But yes, that is the only thing I can think of Wait a minute. Was he also in like a sequel to Inspector Gadget, the movie? Oh my God! Yes, he was. But that was like because yeah, Matthew the... Broderick, like that's straight to, to to blockbuster, right? Straight to video, right? Or straight to TV, straight, whatever straight it was. To video, right? So that's maybe the. Only I'm not thing. shitting on him too. I'm just saying I don't know where else I've. Seen I, he's him. funny on the show, right? But you just you yeah. don't really hear of that name much outside of Third Rock from the Sun. And uh, of course, we get Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who grew into this find inception Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say young man but he's older than us uh but it's uh i forgot that you have the note here i forgot that he was in angels in the outfield right he he was accomplished right he was a working he was a working child actor he had bit parts on you know just like some movies and tv shows but like he had a you know starring role in angels in the outfield uh but hold on a second here because he also had a recurring role on a TV show in 1992 called The Powers That Be. It was a short-lived show, only lasted two seasons. He appeared on 13 episodes, but the reason I bring this up is because that was a show that was created by David Crane and Marta Kaufman, who we know now went on to create Friends. So it all comes full circle. Well, it comes full circle, but it's good to know that, like, Good things can come out of failures. It seems like those two creators, especially David Crane and Marta Kaufman, had a bunch of short-lived shows before they finally struck gold with friends. So I'm sure, you know, I, I don't think too many people get that many chances, but obviously um, you know, NBC and then also Warner Brothers, who produce Friends, are very grateful that they did get as many chances as they did, uh, you know, because lo and behold. But, you know, just like I said, little little full circle moment there. When it comes to JGL, uh, you know, we'll talk about it as the episode goes on, but I think of all the child actors uh, that we've had over this uh, six-episode run so far, he's probably had the toughest uh, acting role so far. Like, mm. at least, like, the biggest challenge for a child actor because right. technically you're playing the best, like, he's the oldest. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, there's, that's the contrast there, right? Because, like... Kristen Johnson's character is supposed to be like the tough soldier warrior character, but then lo and behold, she's put into like a sexy female body, right? That's the contrast with that character. Not that a woman can't be tough, but like that is the intended joke with this show. Um, And then uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like you said, he's meant to be the oldest alien, but he's put in this uh, teenage body. I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt was 15 at the time that this pilot filmed. Oh, oh, oh. or 15 I, at the time it aired 14 or 15 no and like you know of course like yeah this uh so much puberty like <laughs> yeah he grows up on the show and i think doesn't he, like i i think he leaves he steps back point. in the last season to um go to columbia go to college yeah go to and I, he's kind of the actor that like he came back he got like he got his degree came back and did like small roles like brick and like he met ryan johnson and then he kind of grew his star rose again Mm -hmm. 
and then he left. He kind of disappeared for a while in the mid 2010s to raise a family, and yep. now I'm starting to see him back again. Well, like you said, he has he has a production company, and he maybe has more, um, maybe works more behind the camera now than in front. But uh, yeah, definitely he had um, he's been he's been very accomplished as an adult actor more so than as a child actor. True, but I just, it's nice to he seems like an ordinary, regular dude who also happens to be a good actor and famous. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he he's like he he's going about his career. He knows when to step a, step away and mm-hmm. raise a family. And he knows when to come back, and hey, yeah, he's been in some good stuff. He's been in some great stuff. He's been in some shitty stuff. Like I just think of he's like, it's nice to know where it really began. Yeah, right. This is maybe uh, what solidifies him uh, acting wise, right, for his career uh, before he would go on to be in those other titles you mentioned. But you know, um, who doesn't like seeing JGL in in something, right? Uh, I think especially our generation, uh, he has a lot of fans. So um, yeah, this is yeah. You know, it's interesting to see him to grow as an actor in this in this series. And of course, we get to well. Funny enough, before we like, I think he pops up later in the season or next season. Wayne Knight, yeah, he's also a big role in this. I love uh, seeing uh, Newman, right? Wayne Knight appear. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah, it's like towards the end of the first season, he he has a, his first appearance as a police officer. Um, so yeah, they play and a love interest to Sally, which is interesting. Yeah, that has I think it was always more or less consistent. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but of course we get to the the heart of the show, and that's John Lithgow. Yeah, yeah. This like I said, this show you can't have the show without John Lithgow. He absolutely elevates the material, and he like I said, I, I think the other actors do a good job too. But yeah, it's. You could you could hear the audience be absolutely floored by his performance in the show. Like people are absolutely in awe of his comedic power in this series. People, actors should take note. Mm-hmm. Like like I I will I will put him on a pedestal just because like he is like the range that he has. But of course, we're talking about a sitcom comedy. Uh, like the as you said, the comedic timing the the slapstick yeah like he is just very good at what he does i'm i'm happy this man became an actor i know right and yeah I mean, I, i'm very glad he's in this and he's you know like you said he has great range right we've seen him be very scary at times right and you've seen him be you know very grounded and here i mean what a fun part for any comedic actor obviously oh, it's God, a very yeah. over the top role but man like this guy really has free range to have so many different kinds of um you know uh different types of physicality uh his his so much energy he's able to bring into this and oh my gosh like <laughs> i i'm just like i said i'm absolutely in awe of him in this show and i i go back to it just just to watch him because he absolutely makes me laugh out loud so many times throughout the series now to get into funny we we know where the series goes like grows in popularity but it's interesting watching this pilot where i it's not that i wasn't a fan of it it's that it it needed it needed some time in the oven yeah i i (laughs) think so some time in the oven i was kind of shocked uh that um that i felt this way but then again i like you know we're talking about pilots and it's kind of interesting to i'm kind of curious at the moment when it did become third rock and i i'm sure it happens at least like in the first season because it the ratings were very high in that first season but that first episode i don't know i like i think it did receive mixed reviews because of the reasons why like yeah criticisms we'll bring we'll bring that up i we'll do that in the retrospect review at the end but i agree i i um yeah, I I think this just as a as a preface, I think this might be the weakest pilot that we will have been reviewed so far, right? I of of this this is number six. This is the sixth pilot we're talking about, yeah. And uh, I think this is probably the one that I I have the least positive things to say about. So um, yeah, let's let's get into it then. You know, let's right. let's find out why. Keith, take us to the pilot. Flight five two seven runway eight kilo here. 
right. Well, we do start off right away with uh, the, I'm not going to say famous, I'm not going to say infamous, but just like the regular opening credits. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I have to, the only note that I, I would say discovered, I never knew it was written by Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's just regular, you know, dancing planets hopping around the solar system. It works for the show, right? I think it works it's for the show. The 50s style rock, it, I think that it, it works for the tone of the show. And, uh, you know, the outer space graphics, funny enough, when I was a kid, that's what I liked most about the show. And I was like six or seven. I just kind of like these transition scenes or the opening credits where you just see planets bumping around. And, you know, like it's, it's like the silliest thing. But as a kid, that is what I liked the most are these these transition graphics. Funny. Like I just realized that's another uh, comparison uh, to that 70s show, the transitions, like, mm. you know, the the the. The funky transitions, I right? Say. Yeah, exactly. The kind of they make a, a thing of it, right? Like the show becomes known for it in a way. But we open up, uh, you know, the four are listening to the radio, and uh, you know, next to them, they're basically at like a makeout point. Yeah, this like sort of overlook sort of situation. Yeah. Cheap, very cheap set. Like all you need is a backdrop and just that. Clearly not an like, actual sky. We're listening to the radio, and the guys like, hey, like you know, people are. People have seen aliens, and one of those callers, I think the girl, the girl caller was Julie, Julie, Julia Sweeney, from SNL. It's Pat. Oh yes, that's right. Okay, I, that's I've heard of that name. Like, where have I heard that? Okay, they can gather. I'm sure, like they have those old school SNL connections. Sure. But yeah, the, you know. Oh, I saw aliens. The guy goes, I saw a couple aliens uh, in a Rambler, and of course, these four are in a Rambler. He wasn't lying. Listening. And they're amazed at people kissing. Like, they're wondering if it's cleaning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm kind of ha- – this show automatically ha- puts questions in you. Like, it's like, oh, what, what do they look like? What, why are they here? Like, right. how, like how did they assume ho- human form? And then there's that, like, other voice in my head going, just shut up. It's a comedy. But I – Part of me is happy that they never. Re- I don't think they ever explore what we never get to see what they look like. Right. I. I you we- don't need to. Right. No. Um. I also get a sense that this is the show. Maybe that in the marketing leading up to the pilot, they heavily established what this was about because it almost seems like you have to know going in, right? Because like so much of the first season, not this pilot, you get James Earl Jones doing a little bit of an opening narration as to what the premise is and what they're doing here and their mission, da da da. You don't get that in the first episode, but you the audience seems to be already clued in on what is going on here. Like these are aliens and they don't know exactly how things work and they're getting used to their human bodies. God, all you have to do is be in one successful sci fi thing and you will be allowed to be in other science fiction shows, both mm-hmm. good and bad going forward. God uh because I think uh, William Shatner ends up. Oh I right, think he's big. I think he's big head. That's, he's the uh, big head, right? Who's like the their boss, head. right? I think um, which that doesn't get introduced. Like that, that you get no. He's indication, but... not in the first episode, but like you, uh, like I'm kind of happy you don't get to see what they look like. Uh, yeah, right. Because that's yeah, you can imagine. I always imagine they were like I don't know gelatinous or something. I, like they, could but be... you do, you do have to ask. Like, how were you able to? Uh, like, he already got a job teaching. <laughs> yeah, that, right, right. That that's something that they say going into um, the next scene, right? Or like they like, it, it's a narration that John Lithgow does only in I think that moment and never again for the rest of the series is yeah. like I I got uh, a job as a professor. Don't worry about how. And then now we're looking for an apartment. I did say I, one note. I said like, "Oh, uh, next to Dick's narration, I said, don't worry about it. Like, don't do not think about it. Like, just like he's a teacher. These are aliens, and they have a mission to. I'm going to guess like just study humanity. I suspect that that was added in. I mean, it's very ADR, right? I suspect that they filmed this, and someone was like. You know, could someone explain that he has a job as a professor, right? Because I guess you would have found out anyway when you go to his job, but I guess they just wanted that to be a little – they want a little more exposition for that, right? I can imagine well, that being yeah. a note 
after this was originally filmed. Oh, 100%. It because it, it like I would have appreciated just like, oh, maybe even like a job interview or something like that. Yeah, like, right? Just like, you know, and then joking about his experience cuz obviously he has none, you would have to bullshit it, right? Something along those lines that right like they they kind of just cut to it it seems a little too easy yes it does there's a lot of like uh, of course this is the pilot but there's a lot of second episode elements to it like mm. oh uh like you know he's he has the job teaching they they he's he knows his uh jane Curtin's character very well his secretary very well yeah they've always been introduced or you know like they, they already know each other they've already have like some conflict going into this yeah Exactly, but they're also getting their apartment for the first time. Right. So it's like it, it's kind of messy, and it not in like a like it's just saying don't worry about it is that can only go so far with it's only going so far with me, you know. Right, and you know we have the advantage of having seen a lot of episodes that take place after the pilot, so we already know what to expect or what to what is there to be established. But just putting my my trying trying to forget all that and pretend that I am watching this first episode, not really knowing anything else about the show, I can imagine I'd be a little confused. Yeah, or I would. Yeah, I would still be asking like these kind of questions. But yeah, I bet you any money they filmed this pilot, and a lot of people, studio focus groups, are like ask these same questions because yeah, Dick's narration does not pop up anywhere else in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, we uh the next scene is us at the apartment. Uh and Miss Dubeck, du- Dubcheck, I, I think. Dubcheck, who I think she's always been around. I think later on she becomes a main character. Yeah, I think she's um, definitely a recurring character. But you know, like many pilots before us and many pilots after that we'll talk about, it's a different kind of apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like they it's a set that like they like right away in the second episode, they are. I think they have the stairs and uh, right, yeah, no, right. Just, I would love to know the like the like what makes them change it from the first episode to the second right away, or like mm-hmm. I'm always curious about the decision making. Right, because the 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 entrance to the apartment would would it's starting in the next episode is actually a door to a bedroom, right? So they they tweak some of that set right going from episode one to episode two in a way that i'm like yeah maybe they realize there's no bedroom in this apartment right like where would they sleep i guess that those are things that probably came up also after the fact yeah well, like i'm sure there's that there's always that one annoying person in focus group like how do they sleep what do they even sleep but and i'm sure uh the showrunners are like we're just trying to make a comedy about aliens but uh you know they're, they're still getting used to their bodies uh, right, right. Also, a little quick note, uh, uh, Dubchek, Mrs. Dubchek, the landlady, uh, also another character that's appeared on Seinfeld. Maybe we should do like a little Seinfeld, like, you know, do a little, what in the world? Do like a little bit of the baseline or something, but uh, she appears in uh, the season four premiere, The Trip, as uh, Kramer's neighbor in LA. Uh, so that's another, another shout out there. How do you do this? How do you do this? I used to do this with like Simpson, like Simpson facts. Like this is amazing that you could like. I've seen four. I've seen Seinfeld an obscene number of times. Trust me, and you know there's probably a lot of other more useful subjects that I should probably dedicate <laughs> myself to, but I've chosen Seinfeld and I'm sticking with it. I, well, I can't I can't add add anything to that. You really kind of put a period on that. No, you should be proud of you should be proud of that. Well, you did put it into good use. You've won trivia's right. I've won uh, bragging rights. But yeah, no, you got Harry. They don't know how to use eye or like he's not sure how to use his eyelids. Right, they're manual. Sad. <laughs> See, they're, the lines are like the lines work, uh, like because it's so. Yeah, for lack of a better word, uh, fish out of water. It's like it's mm-hmm. it's so fish out of water. They don't know how eyelids work, and it does like oh yeah, it's manual. But yeah, Sally does get the like why are, why am I the woman? It's because you because you lost and, right. Yeah, they probably maybe, drew straws or something. Which uh, I, I you probably needed a female in the cast, but I don't know how uh, that line 
works in 1996. And yeah. You can't complain about that for, like, it, it just, it, yeah, it works in 1996. Right. And it, she is sort of a character that will explore the female human experience, right? Like, they all sort of have their sort of roles. So Tommy, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, will explore the adolescent human experience. And, yeah, you go from there. But um, you're right. It, the fact that you know, she's the one that she, because she lost, like, I don't know if the show is saying that it's worse to be a woman or if they're saying that, well, in our society, it's technically worse to be a woman. I, I don't know. I don't want to go there. I'm just saying, like, what is the intention behind that joke? I'm not entirely sure. I think it's just like one of those, like, how many jokes can we fit into this? Uh, mm-hmm. But she does have a funny uh, line in the, or at least like just the human, the, the female experience. Like, is it, is this sweating under anyone else's breasts? And, you know, it's uh, like, I got small ones. Right. Fred Stewart, you know, uh, Harry says that, right. And so this is something we're going to be exploring mostly in like the first few episodes is them being obviously ignorant to human anatomy and you know, discovering it firsthand. Which you know, it's a little. Uh, that's another thing too. I'll, I'll, I'll. I notice in this first episode is there's a bit of inconsistency to what they know and what they don't know, and you know, we'll we'll discover that more as the episode goes on. But uh, it it works better later in later episodes when they're a little more acclimated. So it's like okay, they have discovered some things, but they still haven't discovered others. In this first episode, I feel like they should be a little more unaware. Like they they seem to be aware of some things already. It's it's um like i said it's it just it they it depends on what kind of joke they want to make basically i'll like i'll be the first one to say like pilots are hard oh yeah and, i'm, I'm uh, just like, like that's... pilots are hard no but like i just think it, i'm kind of shocked they went in like the direction for this first episode to introduce this show rather than like a I don't a real introduction to that like one like I'm not saying I, I I don't need to see the alien but I would have liked to have seen like the job interview yeah you just know like, it's maybe I, I I this is a catalyst pilot right they're establishing the the premise as opposed to it already having started right and we're just just we're just starting after it's already set up I think they should have done the latter I think maybe you should have start the first episode with a little narration from um you know james earl jones like you get in some of the other first season episodes and it's just like okay now let's just get a day in the life maybe it's like they've been it's a month into the mission and that's where we start right because that that way you can get away with a little more of that they know some things they know other they don't know other things sort of sort of uh struggle but when when you start off the mission from day one that it's hard as a writer to to figure that out you know what what do they know what don't they know are we going to really try to keep that consistent or are we just going to just see what jokes work in that vein? Sally, I want you to observe her. Find out what women on this planet do. Why can't Harry do it? Because you're the woman. That brings up a very good question. Why am I the woman? Because you lost. Uh, Dick. I can't see through my eyelids. Open them. Oh, they're manual. So uh, we move on to Dick's office. He's already got the job. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to Tommy. And I wish I had a stamp that just said horny because I've written like Tommy is horny. The show is horny. Yep. Like uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's good, but he like this show, this episode alone is like one of the horniest pilots i've ever watched tommy is he makes me a little uncomfortable in this first episode because you know he he's obsessed with women jumping up and down (laughs) it's like a very weird thing and i i get where they're coming from with him discovering his puberty as an alien and not really understanding but it comes off as kind of creepy I don't mind like a uh, show, a live action show feeling like a Saturday morning cartoon. And of course, we'll meet those shows along the way. But there's. It kind of goes over the line and too cartoony, mm-hmm. like when they're asking Sally to jump. Right. Uh, it's just it's it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh I mean, we haven't even gotten to the part where I felt uncomfortable. So we meet. uh uh, Nina, mm-hmm. who is uh, Dick's sassy assistant, 
Every, right. You have to have one sassy person. That's the diversity clause in um, 90 sitcoms. You have to have one sassy person. Right. Usually in a role right. of servitude. I, I, I'm sure there's like a psychological reason to that or sociological, whatever. Um, but yeah, Dick smells uh, her perfume. Right. As he's like, and look, it, like it, me too-ish uh, now, but it's still, that's where I'm like uncomfortable. That's where. Because like, he, yeah, what does he do? <laughs> How does he smell that's like perfume? Where I'm like, that's where I'm like, he would have been fired. Like he, this man yes. would have been like this, like everyone's, this isn't like a playing it off for laugh situation. And I'm not trying to be like, how dare this show? I'm just saying like, well, yeah, just, just for context, right? Like how, how does he do he it? Like, Oh, sorry. He sniffs her butt like a dog. I thought he and sniffed like, her really back. Was it her back or was it her butt? Like it's in that area. Cause he literally sticks her face. He sticks his face. Like, like into, into her into the back yeah and like it's like between the back and the butt yeah whatever like and she goes like i hope that's your nose yeah that and, didn't really work for me either and it's like this show is too horny where it's just uncomfortable like mm-hmm. it's just like it's oozing with that and it's like it you know i i'm giving like 2023 notes but it just it could have been just done like that's a good setup like oh you smell f- f- good but i don't know it's right just... and of course yeah someone could you know, if, if someone had to defend that they would say well he's an alien he doesn't know it's inappropriate it's like well yeah but it, you humans ha- are writing this <laughs> right as i'm saying like as, as an audience it still has to be palatable like he, he can he can make faux pas without being outright inappropriate right like he, without making it uh, without crossing the line objectively. So, you know, they I, they could have found another way to get that across, which they do in later episodes. But he also, like, I'm sure a lot of people go like, ah, that, he, he would get fired for that. Like, I'm sure even people that, like, but that is a situation where, like, I don't care how eccentric this man is, because everyone just kind of like, oh, you're a weird fella. Uh, he is, like, I don't know, it's just the, it's just a bad joke. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That, that one... Uh, I didn't care for either. I, I'm I, I'm kind of shocked that this is the pilot for a show that I really like. And I disappointed I, too about yeah. that that this is the pilot. What worked for me is this whole other type of misunderstanding that isn't sexual, right? Because uh, she complains that he parked in her parking spot. And he's like, "Well, it was empty," and she's like, "Yeah, but that's my spot." And he's like, "Oh, you have a car too?" Like. Is like a whole thing where he takes things either literally or he doesn't understand the subtleties of the of, of human language. Things like that work that again don't have to be sexual. Um, although there is that other joke about she says she has a red Volvo and he obviously mishears <laughs> and you know. I like that. That that one I thought was kinda clever. Right, right. Um but yeah, he makes fun of he hurts her feelings, he makes fun of her thesis. Right, um, he's insensitive about it, and and Dick's that's kind of character. Dick is always kind of an insensitive character, and then he learns the error of his ways. Uh, so there's like there's seeds of who Dick, or at least to, to this relationship. Yeah, that uh, particular uh, it would be a romance eventually, right? And you're right. Like he, he will say things that offends her or weirds her out without realizing. And then again, he has to learn. It's like a trial and error sort of thing with him and his yeah. interactions with other humans, specifically uh, Dr. Albright. And I will say with Jane Curtin, I've always enjoyed her reactions to his buffoonery because especially when she gets mad at him, because when she gives him an angry glare if looks could kill, like she is absolutely giving him daggers when she gives him an angry look. And it's like, Ooh, I would not want that woman to be mad at me. <laughs> like, I think she plays off of him very well. And I think she is a good foil for him. Uh, so and again, like the fact that she is like also an intellectual and she, um, I don't know, like she, she just, she really stand her ground against him. But then at the same time, like, you know, you can see how he warmed or she warms up to him in a way that, you know, maybe some people would go running for the hills, but she does see an appeal there. And I know later on, like, even, like, in the next episode, they they give her a lot to work with. Like, she's very, 
she she very much enjoys being there. She's having a lot of fun, even though yeah. she's not the alien. Like she's a very, she's not always the straight man too in the side of things. Like mm. she like she gets her fun in as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like there's physical comedy that she gets involved with, even in this episode, right? So you're right. I think they they give her plenty of work because she Jane Curran is really funny, and you know she was in Conehead, so it's I, they utilize her very well in this show. What is my thesis doing out of my desk? Oh, I took it out. My desk was locked. Which made it very difficult to open. <laughs> you might want to make a note of that. You read it? Read it. I memorized it. Well, it's it's just a few thoughts. A few brilliant thoughts. <sighs> really? Well, that's quite a compliment coming from someone with your credentials. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it? It's the funniest thing I've ever read. <laughs> your theory on man and the animal within, it's hilarious. <laughs> Nina said you had no sense of humor. She is so wrong! Now we come to a quick scene, which I think kind of sums up this pilot for me. Why did this need to be in this scene? I get, Actually, I know why this scene needed to be there, because it's a transition, but why did it need to be the way it is? It's so random. This scene is like it's almost as if they accidentally edited in a scene from a different episode it's almost as if they said oh shit we don't have anything we need scene three we have nothing what do we have our runtime isn't long enough right we need to do something else but of all the scenes this scene like you could have done something else and i have some ideas of what you could have done but let's let's get into what this very random scene is about well uh the miss i'm gonna fuck up her name uh dub check is explaining uh <laughs> miss like, dubstep Sal- <laughs> miss dubstep, miss dubstep. <laughs> she, well harry is like grounding uh, sally is grounding uh she's you know beef like they're making meatloaf i think i uh, uh if i'm not mistaken yeah making meatloaf i wrote that note which means it's true and she's explaining ground beef to them and sally freaks out because she has dead cow on her wife's on harry runs away and harry goes wig women you can't like uh, they're all they're everywhere, aren't they? And that's a signature thing of Harry, I think, is that he'll start to see a common expression, but then twist it in an unexpected way. But I, why is this scene here? Why, why are they cooking meatloaf? And why does Sally freak out about ground beef on her hands? I just I, I, I don't understand anything about this scene. It, it just it, it's uh, to quote the kids it's a weak sauce it is uh it, it, i don't know it just that's all <laughs> that size says everything i think what they should have done if they had to have and you know this scene is like what like a minute uh if yeah. that i think what they should have done is a scene where sally and harry are getting maybe frustrated or even fed up with whatever human experiences they're having because as we'll get back to later on, you know, like they, they want to leave and Dick is really the only one who wants to stay. So I think they should have used this time to build up that conflict a little more where they are very unhappy being in their human bodies, being on Earth. And Dick has to convince them, which you know, that does happen later on, that you know, they need to stay. And he's the only one who sees the value of the mission. So I think that is a missed opportunity. Yeah. I I like that one. I I like your idea. Like it just it, it it just seems like what the hell what the hell were you guys doing with this? Like did you guys like just write this on the day? And it feels like it was written the thirty seconds before it aired. Right, and or, this or, also or, goes back it. to me. Like she doesn't know what ground beef is, but later on she knows what a cocktail weenie is. So ah, you know, what I mean, it's catch. like she she. What do you know? What don't you know? I, I I'm confused by that. Well, then we move on to a another regular setting that happens in the show is Dick teaching, mm-hmm. and I've always liked these scenes because uh, he, if I'm not mistaken, he's always had the same class. Yeah, I think a lot of those students are pretty much recurring characters. Like Bug, Bug is played by David DeLuise. Who, what a name! <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think his father, Don DeLuise played his father in the show for like a guest spot oh, okay david deloise i don't know like my youtube algorithm uh he was the father in uh wizards of waverly place and now he's doing a retrospective uh podcast with a uh, co-host and hmm. they're all doing retrospective podcasts about their kid shows uh but yeah shout out to him he's i didn't i it it 
it was kind of like that guy looks familiar. But you also have Leon, who is played by John Lithgow's son, mm-hmm. and I just find, yeah, you could you could see the resemblance. Oh my god, you can hear you can you can hear the resemblance. Yeah, they both have a very distinct voice. Chin, yeah, yeah, they had like the same facial structure, so that that's a nice little nod because he he's also a recurring character throughout the show. Uh, but yeah, he uh, Dick is teaching uh the complicated equation, and he asks the students like, how would you explain the distance? How something about Cleveland, and they're all giving their like, oh, you know, it's about this many miles, the you know, this and that, and it kind of leads to him, uh. They're explaining the importance of feelings to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets to that, right? Because somewhat Leon, right? Leon's the one who's like, yeah, hey, oh, Cleveland is, it feels like a a, forever away if your heart is there. <laughs> and obviously that does not compute at this moment with, with Dick. And uh, yeah, D- Dick wants to know more about human feelings. And mm-hmm. he dis- he dismisses the class and Nina Reminds him of the dean's faculty party. Right, a little and exposition there. Another fucking party. Wait, <laughs> when in doubt. Right. Oh my when gosh. When in doubt, in your pilot, throw a party. If you That's have a how you fish, get all the characters together. If your characters yeah. are fish out of water, what better way than a party? Man, that is such. It's that's so funny, and I'm sure with each different genre we tackle, we'll see other patterns like that. But man, that's like. That that is so funny to me that we that we're discovering this. The first three pilots now in a row this happens. Uh, so okay, we get the act break and then we open back up. Um, we're at the high school, and kind of like that scene uh, with Harry and Sally. It's like I I get why this scene needed to happen, but how it happened is just so like once again the stamp. My notebook should just be horny, 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 horny mm-hmm. to the max, to the point of like, holy shit, please let this person uh, have development. Please let this character be more than just a horny teenager. Right, right. And he, or they're laying it on thick. Right. He talks to this, yeah, Tommy talks to this volleyball player, and the conversation doesn't really go anywhere because it's interrupted by Dick, right? He storms in and. He, he wants to extend the mission. He's like, "Oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm starting to, I want to figure this out." And Tommy declines it. If I like, Tommy says no. Right. Like, I want to go home. He wants to be out. And then you have this moment where they telepathically share thoughts. Right. I. It's it's the classic. Uh, if I could read a teenager's thoughts, your mind. Like it's that. Like, oh, this is what's going through my mind right now, and it. Ask the question, how did they get bodies? Whose bodies are these? And there's that also voice in my head going, don't care. Like, who gives a crap? Well, but it's like I always assume that these are, are the original bodies. I don't think they took over other people's bodies. I always assume that these are like new, fresh bodies uh, or whatever, right? These are these are original human bodies that they Oh, have. I didn't think they took over. So this isn't men in black. That would be kind of dark, right? Uh, but no, they um, they they have this yeah moment where they stare intently at each other, and Dick somehow knows where what Tommy is feeling. I I don't know how many times that comes back. I do know that there's some there's some alien things they do throughout the show, sort of like that, where they I don't know they gather around and they have some sort of alien powers. It's very underexplored. Again, doesn't really matter, but you know. It's, I'm okay with it being like basic level, but you kind of make up the rules as you go along, I guess. Uh, and you know what? I feel like that's I feel like someone is yelling that at like at us, like it. But I don't know. It. it I'm asking these questions, but uh, like so. Tommy says no, no to extending the mission. Next scene, Dick is extending like the mission. He's packing, right. or he's unpacking, and he, they're staying longer. So why why did it i don't know it's what i'm saying it's a little very sloppy bit repetitive and i again i think maybe instead of dick bursting into the previous scene maybe just tommy has his experience has a bad experience in school because again he's not fully acclimated yet 
and now he's miserable because of course high school is miserable so now you could have had those two filler scenes actually contribute to why the other three characters want to leave and you know that doesn't happen oh my god that would have been that would have been great uh so yeah they're asking uh tommy asked sally to jump up and down and uh like <laughs> and they're all they're all like yeah do it do it it just like yeah. it's like however you feel about this scene and most i i people probably i would like to think feel the same way we do it's just like you're laying it so hard on the horniness that like pull it back i don't even remember the rest of the episodes being this horny right right and you know, it's it's this the this justification of oh, it's for science, jump up and down, but it's a thin veil for the fact that those three characters, as males, are horny for the female body, and you know, Sally is is struggling with that, and you know, it's it goes back to the previous scenes. It's just kind of uncomfortable, and I don't I I don't really know where they were trying to go with that. So it's just it's a scene I'd like to forget. <laughs> So we go to the the faculty party, and you know Sally walks in, and uh, you know she's she. Kristen Johnson looks beautiful, and mm-hmm. you know it's, they, she has a tit for tat with Nina, and you know Dick meets uh, uh, runs into Mary and apologizes like oh my god like a pot like he kind of gets an orgasmic feeling <laughs> that that's kind of funny like you know feeling human is a rush I, for him i i like that and that's where you get the signature physicality from john lithgow like he's he's so larger than life in this show and uh he follows her to the bathroom where <laughs> they kiss each other and he or clean each other and he's slapping him and she's slap like Oh my god! I'm kind of happy they get the ten like, or I guess tension is the right word, but this kind of continues on throughout the series. But I'm happy they really kind of like jump into it right away instead of teasing us with like, oh, will they? Won't they? they right. Kinda... They kind of go into it almost right away. But I do think that oh, that fucking flashlight. I fuck. I forgot about that. Oh my god. The flashlight thing I don't understand, right? That's in the previous scene at the Solomon apartment. Yeah. They hold this flashlight and you know, it makes Dick think of Mary. And then in this it's, scene, you know, in the bathroom, it's revealed that Harry is in the shower and he's holding the flashlight. And I I don't understand. Am I missing something? Like what what is the deal with that flashlight? Is it supposed to be well, like a phallic symbol? Yeah. But like yeah. to what degree? They're just holding it. They're not doing anything with well, it. Well, I mean, I well, I, I don't think you could standards and practices. I don't think you could, you know, up and down it. Uh, yeah, I, but uh, even if I don't know, I, I think I think they're trying to get away with as much as they could. That was strange to a, me. With fa- it, it just it's so fucking much. It's just I, I so did. Much. I, I did like, though, this it's literal slapstick when they're slapping each other. <laughs> right. Like Dick and Mary, like they. They embrace in the bathroom and, you know, Mary slaps Dick. So, of course, after they kiss a second time, Dick is just he thinks that's just how it goes. Right. That's funny to me. Like he that's the works is that he is misunderstanding what other humans are doing and he's emulating it in a misconstrued way. So he slaps her back. (laughs) And I thought that was so funny. And her reaction, like, oh, (laughs) like she didn't expect that. And then they're just like slapping each other at that point that I thought was really funny and then when they bring that back again when they're leaving the the party <laughs> it has a great like wrap up with it right like the dean she kisses dick like goodbye on the cheek and then you know he slaps her <laughs> he thinks that's the custom and uh, i that is i think the the sort of note they take in future episodes is you know taking misconstruing the custom but then taking it so far that you do not expect it so um that was my biggest laugh out loud moment the show ends. I'm kind of happy they uh, they're back at the Overlook. They're back at the Makeout Mountain, and uh, they're you know they're in the car. They're listening to James Taylor like oh, "Life on Earth." Welcome to the planet Earth. Right. Yeah. Very and, apropos. Uh, the, welcome to the human race, uh, and uh, which is very apropos. And I'm, I think those scenes kind of change from the car to. Uh, I always remember them sitting on the roof. Yeah, same, same. Yep. Looking at the stars. I, there's, I like them looking at the stars, 
And, you know, Dick wants to stay. He's happy. He got to experience, uh, experience feelings. And, you know, there's, there's something about this human race. What are they ra- – <laughs> What is this a competition? Right, right. Like, is someone going to win? <laughs> like, yeah. that is funny. Uh, and I think also this is – the, the seed of the idea that makes me most intrigued is this introspective at the end about, you know, an outsider's observance of human behavior. And that's what you get in so many of the other episodes when they tackle more specific sort of topics. And then again, like their take on it, um, you know, from a, I guess, scholarly analysis point of view. So I, and that happens at the end of most episodes, if not all. Though, yeah, I think, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And you know, sometimes they have an interesting philosophical take on things. Other times, it's again, it's it's misconstrued and it's it's a joke. But either way, I think that is, um, you know, that's like the lesson of the day, and they they reflect. I think that's th- those are nicer moments that grounds an otherwise very uh, over the top premise. I, mean, I think we've underestimated the life on this planet. The people have. So much courage. Here they are hurling through space on a molten rock at 67,000 miles an hour, and the only thing that keeps them from flying out of their shoes is their misplaced faith in gravity. (laughs) I'm so glad we're staying. I want to find out what else they know, what makes them happy, how they raise their young, what happens when they die, why they call themselves the human race. Do they think someone's going to (laughs) win? So, yeah, then you just get the credits, right? And then there's no tag. Boo. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, definitely a mixed bag if we get into this, the, the retrospective review. So, you know, the premise is very different. It's not the first show to feature aliens or, you know, uh, aliens appearing to be human, right? I mean, like, what, what else do you have in, in TV history? Like, uh, Mort and Mindy? My Favorite Martian. Yeah, My Favorite Martian, right? Like, no, this- it's... It's more risque uh, alien humor, I, th- I think. Right, for I, the 90s. <laughs> yeah, for, it, yeah, it's for the 90s. And I know like Alan Tudyk is in like uh, something like that on sci-fi right now, which mm-hmm. is more like what like what if an evil alien or I don't I, We'll talk about that later. But like this is very like 90s risque. Like, yeah. Ooh. Uh, it's you know it's it's too bad that they lean too hard into the sexual element in this first episode because that really does not reflect the rest of the series i mean of course they have the occasional risque moment but i think the show really the strengths of it are more of the the smaller misunderstandings whether it is human language or little nuances of etiquette culture yeah, you know, things we take for granted. Show. This is a great show. Yeah, it is. And I want to the one term that we will get to know very well, and uh, the opposite of jumping the shark when a show goes off the rails towards the end. When a show, the opposite of that is called growing the beard. When a show mm. starts off a little clunky, and takes a while to find you know find itself, it grows the beard. Right. And this show definitely I think it, it, it doesn't take that long. Whereas like some shows like Parks and Rec maybe take a whole season, but like I would say like just like they whatever problems that they had with the pilot, they really kind of remedied it within the next couple of episodes. Yeah, thankfully. Thankfully. thankfully because yes. there there are some clever ideas that are presented in this first episode as well that I think get overshadowed by the cruder material. For example, I do think it's clever that Dick's colleague, uh, Dr. Mary Albright, is an anthropologist, right? Because that's essentially what the Solomons are. They are studying humans on an anthropological level just from a more cosmic a source you know from a cosmic purpose i didn't so think about that <laughs> that that is like a clever parallel i i think that's intentional right i think it has to be it's no coincidence so, yeah that she's an anthropologist uh so i i like that idea uh and then of course you know the the physical humor when it when it works it's really funny oh, oh no the, the this show will make you laugh yeah, I, I can think of a few moments. I mean, they do a lot of stuff that like, okay, like there's there's a I think an episode in the first season where 
Dick dresses up in drag. And it's like, okay, here's the scene where the episode where he dresses in drag, right? Like you could see that coming, but it's still really funny because it's John Lithgow and he makes it his own. Um, right. Uh, I, I don't know. When you, when you watch it, you can just see that there's a lot of potential for comedy that um, is, is lived up to because of the lead actor. And, yeah. And, and just a great supporting cast as well. Like they, they, a strength of the pilot is you do kind of get a sense of who these characters are and any of their flaws from our perspective are completely like mainly Tommy's. I like to think they, they get, I just think they tone it down for everybody. Yeah. But especially for him. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I know they give him a girlfriend at one point in the first season and a lot of, um, you know, that then from, from his perspective, it's sort of like he's learning a lot of teen culture or or youth culture from from her, right? And then reporting yeah. back, so that's that gives him like a little more to do. That gives him a, a it it grounds the character a little bit more, and it I I, I think it removes the hoardiness. But it, it, it you know now he's it just because he's going through puberty doesn't mean it has to be all about sex. It could be more about. Yeah, you know, social pressures, for example, like yeah. him trying to fit in, in in high school. There's a lot of potential there. Oh, the, the, like if just judging what the like, if you were to pitch this show to me without showing me the pilot, I would say there's so much potential for each of these characters. As you said, like okay, we get the life of a female, life of a college, uh, life of just like I, I would say John Lithgow being John Lithgow, but life of a teenager. And Harry is kind of Kramer esque. Like right, I, well, right. Like, he's yeah. like the oddball, the odd, uh, which the is odd, odd duck of the group. Yeah, oddball of a group of oddballs. Funny yeah. enough, and I believe James Earl Jones in that intro narration you get in the other first season episodes, he says that French Stewart's character Harry was just there, right? Like they all have a mission. You have like you know Sally, Dick, and Tommy. Like they they were assigned specific roles. They have specific uh, missions. But Harry is just there. <laughs> like he just he, there was room for one more or something. Like they they he's specifically a character that I think is meant to be sort of um I don't know like almost undefined in a way. That's a good and, way to describe it. Uh, I I I think there's just some moments too where he he's like a he he receives messages from yeah. the great big head. So like they kind of use him as a prop in a few different ways, right? Like he's sort of this malleable character that uh I don't know, he's he's hard to define. He's the he's the odd duck of, yeah, the odd duck of the odd ducks. Right, yeah, he's the most alien of them all, you could say. And he has some surprising moments. I, I was watching an episode because I was trying to see like some of the other first season episodes. There's one where he discovers he's a really good dancer. Like that was a surprising moment. Like he also brings some good physicality to it. And just also that look on his face. He has that perpetual stone look on his face that he brought to casting. I guess they just told him like always look like that. Like always like eyes closed. Like what's going on? Always look he, confused. He's also the object of a lot of physical humor like door slam on his head or <laughs> he falls down a lot. Things like that. Uh, so he's kind of this um the butt monkey kind of you know, right you know. he's like a prop in 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 so many ways um but yeah this this show ran for also it six seasons right i think it, that's a successful run um you know and i think that maybe as funny as it is i don't know if it really resonates too much i think it's I think it's a little more of a surface level show, even though they have some of these introspective moments. I think they could have gone a little deeper if they wanted to, but you know, it, it's a show that I think you go for the laughs, but I don't think you take too much from it. It does what it needs to do. I don't think we, we knew at that time that we could explore like the, like the premise really like there's, there's a lot to mine here. Yeah, about the human I condition. Don't think could, I don't think we could. I don't think we knew that we could do that with a show like yeah, this. Yeah, I I agree, and I'm sure the network was content to just let them do what was funniest. Which again, I don't mind that. It's good for that. Uh, but there's uh, an alternate universe where this show does dive a little deeper. Maybe if it comes out ten years later, or even a few years later, who knows? Yeah, that's interesting. If it came out in like the mid two thousands, it would have been a uh, like just maybe something that we're like oh it's 
says something about us. And it kind of like it, I'm kind of I I don't mind the the show that we got. Of course, I don't. Yeah, I'm not, I I'm happy with what we have. Yeah. Um, but you know, you could maybe do this like you said. There's there's a similar ish concept going on right now with Alan Tudyk on um the sci-fi channel. So Resident it, Alien, that's what it's called. That's it. Yeah. So you know, maybe that show is diving more deeper than Third Rock did. But not to say that's criticism. But you know, that's just another direction you could go. So take it or leave it. You know, if we were our age now, would you watch this? I, I think I would. I think I wouldn't be blown away by the first episode, but I would, again, I laughed heartily at least one time, like during those slaps. And so I would come back. I, I From this one episode, I'm confident I would be won over by John Lithgow, and I would go back at least for him. That's interesting. Uh, then you would be the person in my scenario where I wouldn't watch it, and then when we met up, and hung out and be like, what are you watching? And you'll be like, I'm watching 30 Rock, or I'm watching Third Rock from the Sun. And I'm like, really? That first episode was kind of eh. It's like, no, 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 no. It gets better. Believe me. And I'd be like, okay, right. all right. I'm going to, I would hop aboard that train. That's when I would jump mm-hmm. aboard that train. And how many other shows will probably have the same feeling about, right? Um, so it, it, it falls into that category, right? It just, it gets better from there. Like you said, what was the expression? It grows the beard. Grows the beard. Okay, that's a good one. So we'll chalk that up to uh, that category. I had to grow the beard. All right, so that wraps up our discussion on Third Rock from the Sun. And we're actually not going to be going that much farther for our next sitcom. We're staying within the state of Ohio. And take a guess of what 90s sitcom is known for taking place in a particular city of Ohio. Cleveland rocks, Cleveland rocks, Cleveland <laughs> rocks, Cleveland rocks. You got it. Yeah, we're going over now next week to the Drew Carey Show, a notable Cleveland locale. So that'll be uh, on the docket for next week. But until then, uh, Keith, see you at the next pilot. Follow us on Instagram and X, formerly Twitter, at Take Us to the Pilot. That's Take Us to the Pilot with the number two. Attention passengers, we've now reached our destination. We hope you enjoyed the flight and have a nice day.